Pints with Jack, Season 3, Episode 45. After Hours with Tea with Tolkien. Good morning and welcome to Pints with Jack, a podcast where normally two enthusiastic C.S. Lewis amateurs get together, share a beverage and discuss a work of C.S. Lewis. However, today Narnia meets Middle-earth once more as we continue Tolkien Month, and I'm joined by Caitlin Fasista from the Tea with Tolkien podcast. So, a few details about Caitlin. She is a Catholic convert, she lives with her family in the Midwest, she is a wife to Alex and a mother to four babies at home and two in heaven, and she is a hobbit at heart. You can usually find her with an iced coffee in her hand and a baby on her hip. Hobbies include thinking about Tolkien, obviously, making friends on Twitter, which is how I first met her, and hanging out with our Lord in her parish adoration chapel. And not to mention blogging and podcasting at Tea with Tolkien. Caitlin, welcome to Pints with Jack. Thank you so much for having me. You and I were talking just before the interview, and I I said you came on my radar around the time that you were having a sale on your website And one of the girls from uh, C.S. Lewis Book Club said, I think you should check out her website. I think there are some mugs that you'll appreciate. And so that's why today I am drinking out of my Lattes with Lewis mug. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Now, I'm actually drinking PG Tips today. Obviously had to drink tea when I'm talking with the person behind Tea with Tolkien. Uh, Are you drinking anything? So I feel like this is very ironic. I'm actually drinking an iced latte. So I'm not even drinking tea, but I'm glad that you are. (laughs) I at least have the mug that you need to be drinking out of. Right. I I know. (laughs) Now, normally, and by normally, I mean times when we're not in the middle of a pandemic, my fiance and I go to mass together on Thursday mornings, after which we go to one of our favorite coffee shops here in San Diego, which will hopefully reopen once all this nonsense is over. Uh, But... On one of our anniversaries, shortly after my friend told me about your website, uh, I organized it so that the coffee shop served us our beverages in Tea with Tolkien and Latte with Lewis mugs, which I had secretly bought earlier that week and given to them beforehand. That's Uh, so sweet. Yes. Thank you for helping me to, at the time she was my girlfriend, for continuing to woo her. Oh, was she so surprised? (laughs) She was. She she was she was utterly confused as to where the mugs came from and why <laughs> they were suddenly serving our beverages in stuff that talked about Tolkien and Lewis. That's amazing. <laughs> well, also at the time she was working through The Lord of the Rings and you know my love for Lewis is fairly obvious. So mm-hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> so let's get on to the quote of the week. And this is from letter 213, and it's a letter that Tolkien wrote to Deborah Webster in in 1958. And I'm going to ask you about this a little bit later, because I know that you did an episode on this. Mm -hmm. And Tolkien wrote this. I am, in fact, a hobbit in all but size. I like gardens, trees, and unmechanized farmlands. I smoke a pipe, and I like good plain food, unrefrigerated, but detest French cooking. I like, and even more, dare to wear in these dull days, ornamental waistcoats. I am fond of mushrooms, out of a field, have a very simple sense of humour, which even my appreciative critics find tiresome. I go to bed late and get up late when possible. I do not travel much. (laughs) So with that, cheers. Cheers. So we'll get back to that letter in a moment, but 
I gave a brief overview of your life earlier, but could you please fill in a, a few more details by telling the listeners about yourself? Sure. Okay. So as you said, um, my name is Caitlin and I'm the creator of Tea with Tolkien. Um, Tea with Tolkien is kind of a lot of different things. It's a blog, a podcast, and in general, it's just a community. Um, we're inspired by the works and the faith of J.R.R. Tolkien. Personally, I, for me, I have four kids at home, as you mentioned, and our youngest is two months old. So that's been pretty fun to add another baby into the mix. Um, we recently bought our first house about a year ago. So when I'm not taking care of the kids and perpetually cleaning up messes, um, <laughs> I've been starting to get into a lot of home projects lately. So that's I, there's not really too much to know about me lately during this pandemic. I don't really do anything other than uh, take care of my family and do this Tea with Tolkien stuff, which is really fun for me. That sounds like a perfect life as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's very hobbity and simple. Exactly, exactly. And speaking of hobbity and simple, uh, let's just talk a little bit about that quotation of the week mm -hmm. from the, the letter that Tolkien wrote. This is a C.S. Lewis podcast, so I assume most people have a reasonable grasp of something of Lewis, but they might not know too much about Tolkien. So could you just give us a little bit of background to that letter? So Deborah Webster is writing about Tolkien, and so she sent him a letter basically asking for interesting facts about himself. And early on in the letter, he's kind of like, you know, I don't really like giving a lot of monotonous facts about myself, but if you insist, <laughs> and then this is, this is what he chooses. And I think it's really interesting the way that he describes himself, like the order, I don't know, it just, you can see his priorities kind of, and what he thinks is interesting about himself. I think it's really adorable. Yeah. He puts his faith right at the beginning of all of it. He says, I'm a Christian specifically a Catholic. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he starts listing off all of these hobbity attributes about himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Now, when did you first come across Tolkien? So it had to have been when the movies came out. I think I was maybe like 10 or so. And I didn't even see them in theaters, but someone had given my dad a copy of The Fellowship of the Ring for his birthday. And my dad is more of a Star Wars guy. So he... <laughs> was not really interested at all in the movie. So I took it and I was like, well, I'll, I'll watch this movie. And then it was just all downhill from there. I fell in love with Tolkien. And then, of course, I had to get the books and see all the other movies when they came out. And so it's pretty much just been something that's been an important part of my life since I was like in middle school. I really do love that because I've been finding an increasing number of people recently for whom the movies were their introduction to Tolkien. Mm -hmm. Because everybody always wants to be the, oh, I read the books first sort of person. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Well, now that the movies have been out for a while, it's it's becoming more common because, I mean, I don't even know if my parents knew about The Lord of the Rings to buy me those books. You know, I, I don't think I would have had any other introduction. And did you start with The Hobbit or did you just jump straight into the stories that you had seen at the movies? Yeah, I went straight for The Lord of the Rings. Whew. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I grew up with The Hobbit. I think I had read that multiple times before my teenage years. Uh, and then I didn't even think that there was anything else until I was a teenager. Uh, and about that point, we had we had one Tolkien nerd in my class who you know, walked around <laughs> with the, you know, the single volume, the thing that could kill a small child if it fell on them. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that would have been me. That was me in high school. <laughs> 
Now, earlier in the week, I put up on social media that I was going to be interviewing you, and I asked people if they had any questions for you. And Daniel Cox asked what your favorite chapter is of The Lord of the Rings and why. Okay, I love this question, and I had to think about it for a little bit. But um, my favorite chapter is The Field of Cormalin. I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce it, if it's Cormalin or Cormalin. There's no judgment uh, here. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know, because I'm just, I don't know. I've always just read it, so who knows. But this chapter is towards the end of The Return of the King, and it's kind of after the the whole quest has been completed. I don't want to give too many spoilers if your listeners haven't read The Lord of the Rings, but it's been out for a while, so <laughs> they don't really have too much of an excuse. No, I don't think they do. Okay, so so it's after the quest has been completed, and you have Frodo and Sam, and they're waking up in Athelion, and the whole chapter is just so, like, the tone of it is just so bright and full of life and and they're being reunited with their friends especially Gandalf who they thought was dead mm. it's just really beautiful this this um reunion and in it is my favorite quote from the Lord of the Rings where Sam asks is everything sad going to come untrue and this um quote really stuck with me so I would say that's my favorite chapter it's also a huge sigh of relief mm-hmm. because Particularly as you're going through Return of the King, you know, your heart has been aching for most of the book. Yeah. You know, things are never relaxed. And finally, it's like, oh, good news. Okay. <laughs> I know. Yeah. The the way that you struggle through, even, even the way that Tolkien writes, it, it makes it more of a struggle as you're getting closer and closer to the end. So then um, he even just changes his style as he's writing and you can just sense the relief. And it, it's full of like springtime and new life and like the flowers are blooming and there's there's harps and trumpets and it's just really beautiful and that quotation from sam it it really speaks to the heart of tolkien's eucatastrophe mm-hmm. uh, could you could you speak about that a little bit as well what, what did tolkien mean when he said eucatastrophe so eucatastrophe is a word that tolkien himself invented surprise surprise I know. <laughs> it speaks to this happy turn that you see towards the end of any good fairy story. He actually uh, would argue that it's kind of the 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 main thing that you need to have in a good fairy story. All good fairy stories have this. And so it's it's kind of like every everything seems lost, but then suddenly there's this happy turn that brings uh, joy that that pierces like sorrow or something like that. I can't remember the quote exactly, but um, it's just a really beautiful turn of events. And he said that the resurrection is the greatest eucatastrophe, mm. which all other small eucatastrophes are kind of an echo of. Nice. <laughs> so let's talk about Tea with Tolkien. As you've mentioned, it is a lot of things. It's a podcast, a website, blog, and discussion groups, and book. So Let's just work through it chronologically. Can you tell us a little bit about each and when they became a reality in your sub-creation? Yeah, so, so the first thing that started was the the blog, and I kind of had a Facebook group that paired with that. I'm not really on Facebook very much anymore, but we started out with a blog, and then we, we pretty soon after that began doing book clubs where we just read through Tolkien's works together so we read through the Lord of the Rings, and then we read through the Lord of the Rings again. What did that look like, though? What does it look like to read through a book online? 
So I made a schedule and then everyone can kind of, I made like a, a PDF printable, everyone prints it out and then you can kind of stay on track. And we would have a discussion every week. Like it was every Monday, I would do a little thread in our Facebook group. So anyone could join it at any time. It wasn't like the kind of thing that you need to be here Saturdays from 10 to 11, you know, it was a lot more relaxed. Um, so anyone could join at any time throughout the week because I know everyone's busy. So that's how we did it for the first maybe two years. Um, and now we've moved over to Discord. So I found that's a lot better just because I don't like being on Facebook. <laughs> and um, just personally, I have to do what works for me because I don't want to be on Facebook all day. So we have book clubs on there now, and it's kind of the same thing. So right now we're reading through the Lord of the Rings over the course of one year, because in the past we had done it like in in a lot shorter increments, like 12 weeks, and that was way too fast for most people. Yeah. So now we're just taking it nice and slow, which is ironic now because everyone's off work, so they have a lot more time now. So we, <laughs> we probably could have done it a lot faster this year, but... That's how the whole community started. And then I also got on Twitter where I've met a lot of people and that's been really fun. And then I started the podcast maybe a year ago or a year and a half ago. And I don't really, I don't do a podcast every week. It's not the kind of consistent podcast you can rely on every week. It's more of like when I have something good to say, we'll say it. Because I don't want to be just putting out episodes for no reason, you know. It's kind of like wizards. Never late. They just turn up exactly. exactly on time. Yeah, that's what I like to think my podcasts are like. <laughs> and there's also a book that I've seen, 30 Days in the Shire. What's that about? Yeah, so I actually have two books. The first one is To Middle Earth and Back Again, and that is a chapter-by-chapter -chapter guide through The Lord of the Rings. So it kind of, I, it, I would say it's kind of like a combination between spark notes where it does have like a summary reflection of each chapter as well as space for journaling and then like a devotional style prompt. So that's my first book that I wrote a couple years ago. And then my newest book, it's an ebook called 30 Days in the Shire. And that is basically it's a month long challenge meant to help you slow down and become more of a hobbit at heart using these different uh, daily challenges, as well as like, I think there are five different um, habits to pick up, like stop drinking sugary coffees or sodas, because like, I don't know, a hobbit would never do that. <laughs> Stuff like that, like avoid drive throughs things that are things that we face a lot today that a hobbit wouldn't really do. And there, but so it's, it's not really like a fitness type of thing. It's more like a lifestyle change. So I, I kind of think of it like a, a whole 30, mm -hmm. but it's like a, a hobbit halfling 30. I don't know. <laughs> and a wonderful excuse to no longer have to trim your feet hair. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, one of the other questions that was asked when I mentioned that I was going to be interviewing you, uh, Laura Lee, she asked, what was the most unexpected thing that resulted from you building this Tiwa Tolkien community? Uh, she said that she joined fairly early on and then it just exploded. It really did. It's kind of been hard to really keep track of even. But I think the most unexpected thing was I was not expecting to make so many friends. Um, I don't know why I wasn't thinking I would, but... <laughs> but being able to connect with other people who love Tolkien and want to become more of a hobbit at heart 
has been really wonderful. And I've even been able to meet a lot of people online and then we can hang out in real life, which has been amazing. So that's been wonderful. I think that's probably one of my favorite things of running a podcast as well. It's when you get to meet people in real life and you actually see that, oh, Mm -hmm. things that I babbled on about while I was drinking a scotch, you found helpful. Great. (laughs) It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. I've gone to a couple different conferences and met different people, mostly from Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been really, really awesome. That's really cool. Uh, one thing I was going to ask you as well was how has doing something like Tea with Tolkien changed your appreciation for Tolkien himself and his work? I I feel like I think about it every day. I, the kind of, I kind of view the world through a Middle Earth tinted lens is kind of how I would put it. I don't know. I feel like I've really grown to appreciate nature a lot more just because of the way that Tolkien loved the created world so much and kind of just the way he fit it all together into his own understanding and his faith. I feel like it's been really good for me. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, I've been actually reading this past week his poem that he wrote to Lewis, Mythopoeia. And I- I'm definitely finding myself stretched by mm-hmm. what he's writing. It, yeah. it, it's, it, it's funny because in f- I, some ways I feel like I know Tolkien simply because I've read The Hobbit a bunch of times and I've read The Lord of the Rings and I'm currently working my way through The Silmarillion. And then more importantly, because I've read a lot of Lewis and said, so, well, Tolkien is Lewis's friends, therefore... I basically know him, but uh, working my way through this poem, it's made me realize that uh, there's actually a lot more to this guy than than I've reached the bottom of just yet. <laughs> have you read any of his letters? Well, I know we referenced one uh, in the quote of the week, but do you have the the copy of his letters? I don't have the Carpenter's book yet. That uh, that is on my uh, my Christmas list that my fiance will hopefully pick up this year. Hopefully, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a book called. The Letters of Tolkien, of J.R.R. Tolkien. I, is it Carpenter who edited it? I don't remember. I think he was involved somewhere along the line. Mm-hmm. But that book is amazing. You you learn so much about his life and the way that he communicated with his family because I would say probably the majority of the letters are written to his sons. Mm. And it's really, really awesome. I think I think it's probably the, the best resource for learning about Tolkien. Yeah, I've read I've read a few of the letters, like the one where he's speaking to Christopher about the Eucharist, mm-hmm. and, he, and he says, you know, every, everything that is good is found there. Yeah, it's really beautiful. <laughs> okay, so we've mentioned this a few times now, so I'd like to do a slightly deeper dive. This idea of Hobbit spirituality, because it's a continued theme in your podcasts, in your blog posts, in the books that you've spoken about. What is Hobbit spirituality? And can you give us some examples of the kinds of things that you've discussed? Yeah. So I, I don't know if there's a simple way to put it because it's it's like a, I don't know, there are so many different elements to it. But I think the easiest way to understand it is it's very similar to um, St. Therese's The Little Way. Mm-hmm. Just because Hobbits are very humble and small, they're often overlooked. And yet it's through them that Middle Earth is saved. And they just possess so much goodness because they're just, they're steeped in goodness. And they don't have this high and mighty view of themselves. And one of the major themes in The Lord of the Rings is that the powerful people like Sauron, Saruman, they they kind of grow in pride. And it's 
to their downfall, especially in the way that Mary and Mary and Eowyn are the ones to take down the Witch King of Angmar, mm-hmm. a woman and a hobbit, which are the the two most unexpected characters, you know. And he doesn't even think they can come at him, you know. He's just like, go away, get out of the way. <laughs> and then they're his downfall. And it's the same with with Sauron. It's the little tiny hobbits who take him down, and he he didn't even he didn't even like have them on his radar hardly, because he just overlooked them in his pride. And I think that's kind of the same way with Jesus is he became very humble. Um, He made himself, God made himself small into a human and um, took down Satan. It's, it's very similar, I think. Mm. And yeah, there are some other ways too. I, I talk a lot about Frodo's fiat, which, which is kind of, I compare him to Mary in a little bit, a little way because of the way that he was just like, I will take the ring, even though I don't know the way. It's kind of the same way that Mary said, like, yes, I will, you know, let it be done unto me, even though she didn't fully know, like, like exactly how, how hard it would be for her. Yeah, she didn't quite know everything that this was going to entail. Yeah. And quite how hard that road would become, because it would only be later on that she would be told that uh, a sword would pierce her own heart as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for those non-Catholics or non-Latin speakers, Mary's fiat, that's the uh, Vulgate translation where she says, let it be, yes. let it be done unto me according to your will. Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no worries. Uh, I was flipping through uh, your back catalogue on your podcast and you did episodes, things like A Hobbit's Guide to Lent. Mm-hmm. What, what, what do hobbits, what, what can they teach us about how to do Lent? Ooh, this is a good one. Really, the main things, when I think of a hobbit doing Lent, it reminds me a lot of the way that Frodo and Sam, as well as Merry and Pippin, were willing to forego all of their different aspects of their their good and comfortable life in order to go out and suffer. Simple things like, you know, sleeping in a less comfortable spot, you know, or... um, Sleeping in a tree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could sleep. You don't have to sleep in a tree. Maybe you could just sleep without a pillow during <laughs> Lent. I don't know. Um, but also just kind of the attitude of, of being willing to suffer and recognizing that um, it's going to be helpful and you're going to do a lot more good in that way. Mm. And you also had another episode where you spoke about Lembus and the Eucharist. Yes, that that's like a that's a hard episode to think about right now where all of the while all of the churches are closed. But Tolkien kind of recognized this. And now that I'm a Catholic because I'm a convert and I read The Lord of the Rings before my conversion and then after my conversion and Lembus stood out so strongly as um, it's not a symbol, but it is reminiscent of the Eucharist because it's this life giving bread that kind of sustains Frodo and Sam on their journey. And Tolkien says several times, like, if it weren't for Lembus, they would have lain down and given up. Mm. Um, so it's, I, I really think that's a, a really interesting parallel. And one of the other things that you do in your podcast is you connect some of the dates. So, for example, on December 25th, you did a pod- well, no, you didn't do the podcast on December 25th, <laughs> but you pointed out that the ring goes south on December 25th mm-hmm. and that the fact that there is this connection between the dates in The Lord of the Rings with the liturgical year. Mm-hmm. Well, Tolkien didn't choose anything on accident. 
he did everything with a very specific purpose. And so it's actually in the index that it says December 25th is when the fellowship leaves Rivendell. And I thought that was very interesting that he chose that Christmas day for the beginning of their journey. And then March 25th, which is traditionally the feast of the Annunciation to be the date that the ring is destroyed on. Because when Mary says yes, and she accepts that Christ will come into the world, that's kind of like the the beginning of the end when Satan is defeated, you know? And so it's kind of an interesting way that he chose those dates. And one of the other things that I see weave throughout your work is you talk about not only the, the hobbits willing to undergo unpleasantness for the journey that's uh, and, the, and the quest that's placed before them, but you also talk about how the hobbits and the other characters process mourning and grief. And you spoke about that in an episode that you entitled To Mourning Through the Shadows. Mm-hmm. What do hobbits have to tell us about mourning? I think a, a couple of things. When you're in the midst of something very difficult, I think a lot of Sam and the way that he continued to go on despite a complete loss of hope. Tolkien writes a couple different times about how Sam's heart just like hardens and he becomes very determined, even though he doesn't feel like there's any possible way he can carry on. Um, And that's really been encouraging to me as I've gone through that episode was about uh, my recent miscarriage. I've had two, but that this one was like my, my recent one. And, um, so that has really comforted me and helped me find like the strength to continue going on. If that makes sense, just because of the way that the hobbits are able to carry through such difficult times because they're so steeped in goodness and they, they can understand that even though it might be really difficult where they are at the moment, they know that elsewhere in the world, there is beauty and goodness. And there's that bit in, I think it's in the return of the King where Sam looks up, they're like surrounded by darkness in the land of shadow. And he looks up and he sees that star and he just knows like, Mm -hmm. even though there's darkness all around me, like there's still beauty and goodness that this darkness cannot reach. And, um, that gives him like the strength to carry on. And then I think even after they go through even after they're done with their journey, Frodo, it's not like he just comes home and everything's okay. He doesn't come home and he's magically healed from from everything that he's gone through. And I think that's really important, especially when you think of Tolkien and the way that he lived through World War One, and then he saw his children live through World War Two. He recognizes that you can go through a trauma and you can come through it, but you you're changed and it's okay to be changed. I think that's really important. I'm really pleased that you referred to that incident with Sam because that's my favorite part of The Lord of the Rings when he's looking up, when everything seems dark, Mm -hmm. but he sees something beautiful in the sky and that gives him hope. I really love how they they did a good job of that in the movies too. I appreciate that. Mm. One other listener, Michael Havens, he asked me to ask you about the presence of God in The Lord of the Rings because you, you've already pointed to earlier the fact that this this isn't just straight, a straight allegory. This isn't just Tolkien saying, okay, Jesus is this, the Eucharist is this, but there is definitely a clear spirituality found within the Lord of the Rings, but God isn't directly referenced. There isn't a very obvious religion in Middle-earth. Where do you find God in the Lord of the Rings? 
Well, Tolkien mentioned specifically that he he chose not to have any kind of God character because it, rather than it being a story that has God in it, it's just a story completely like saturated in, in his beliefs kind of. Um, he's, he writes that he writes that the Lord of the Rings is a fundamentally Catholic work, but it's not Catholic in the way that the hobbits go to mass. It's Catholic in the way that, <laughs> that, providence is everywhere providence is constantly working through through the story um and even through Gollum, because uh, we know how the story ends with Gollum. he's the one to bring about the destruction of the ring and gandalf mentions it in uh chapter two in the fellowship of the ring like something else is at work something more powerful than the dark lord like Providence isn't mentioned a lot, but it kind of is just this unspoken character through the through the whole story. And then um, there are even there are a couple of Christ figures that I think people like to study. There's a book called "The Messiah Comes to Middle Earth." I believe that's the title. The book kind of looks at um, three different Christ figures. There's Aragorn, Frodo, and Gandalf, and they kind of represent Christ in different ways. So you can look at it that way where there there are many different aspects of Christ. And then you can also look at it in the way that providence is just like there, but quietly, I guess. Mm -hmm. Okay, then let's switch gears and let's talk about the Tolkien media. So the cinematic offerings and the stuff that's being promised by Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. uh, you, since you were introduced to Lord of the Rings through the movies, I'm assuming that you still have great love for them. I love the movies, yeah. yeah. If you could change one thing, what would you change? Faramir. <laughs> they really, really, really did not do a good job of portraying Faramir. I think my second, if I could change two things, I would change the part where Frodo is yelling at Sam to go home. Like that does not happen. It doesn't make any sense. And it really bothered me. So those are my, my main two issues with the movies. I would definitely agree with Faramir. The, the bit where Frodo is shouting, it's not in the book. I, I just found it so utterly distressing mm -hmm. <laughs> the fact that this was happening and I, part of me likes the feeling that it got out of me and I'm yeah. willing to have have it depart from the book and uh, Frodo's character to change a little bit more mm -hmm. uh, just for the horror of, of of that scene yeah heartbreaking I, I think that it does a good job of portraying just how messed up Frodo is from the ring but it just like for Sam go home. Like there's no way he could actually go home. It just doesn't make <laughs> any sense. So that, that definitely bothered me a little bit. And what about the Amazon offering that we're being promised? Is there anything in particular that you you're hoping to see or anything in particular that you want them not to even try? I would hope that they don't turn it into an HBO style show. Um, I worried a lot because at the beginning, I think they were trying to release it towards the end of whenever Game of Thrones ended. They were kind of trying to capture the Game of Thrones viewers mm. and just like move them onto this new show. And that really worried me because I, I really hope it doesn't go in that kind of uh, violent and like raunchy direction because Tolkien would be horrified. But um, so I hope they don't do that. I, I don't think they will because I've watched some other Amazon original series and they're not so bad. 
but I do hope that they, I just hope that they're like respectful of the text and of what Tolkien wanted to show, because I kind of think they will, because they have a couple Tolkien scholars on their, their editorial team or whatever you would call it. But it being a big production, it does still worry me. I don't know. I do like that they are having a lot of actors that I don't know of. So they're not just they're not just bringing in like, you know, a big name and and kind of riding on that fame. It does seem like they're they're bringing in a lot of talent that these people will probably play the roles better than maybe just some big famous person would. I don't know. I don't think I'd want lots of American accents on Numenor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think I don't know. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. It, it might be good. The thing that I'm pleased about is the fact that it is very separate from The Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. So they can't do all of the things that they annoyed me with in The Hobbit and in the various Star Wars movies where they try and do callbacks. It's like, hey, guys, yes. you remember this? You liked this. Uh, and <laughs> they end up polluting something that I loved with something that was substandard. So I'm okay with this, even if it's just terrible, because at least then, you know, we will always have The Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. I really didn't like the rendition of The Hobbit over three movies. And it, what was what was silly was Peter Jackson tried to do the very thing that Tolkien tried to do and abandoned, which was try and get a consistent tone between The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, ruined it in the process. Yeah, well, The Hobbit is is written for children. And so it's kind of like Peter Jackson was like, what if we take this children's story and make it super adult? You know, and so it just didn't really make sense, kind of what you were saying. Like, it, I, I'm not a super big fan of the Hobbit films. For, for me, the very fact that what Amazon are going to be doing, it's going to be a completely different age. They can't do crossovers. Mm -hmm. So for me, it'll be like the, the latter Star Wars movies. It's like, I can just pretend that they don't exist. Prequels don't <laughs> exist. Just have the original trilogy and all is right with the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so to wrap up, during Tolkien Month, I'm ending every interview with a simple quiz. I'll give you two options, and you have to choose your preferred option. Okay. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Ooh. Elves or dwarves? Elves. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. Gandalf or Radagast? Gandalf. Call or text? Text. Tom Bombadil, wonderful or wretched? Wonderful. <laughs> I will fight anyone who says wretched. Moving on. iPhone or Android? iPhone. Pippin or Mary? Uh, Mary. Shalob or Nazgul? Nazgul. Second breakfast or Elevenses? Elevenses. Boromir or Faramir? Faramir. Balrogs, wings or wingless? Wings. Ooh, okay. Bagels or croissant? Bagels. Arwen or Eowyn? Eowyn. Rivendell or Lothlorien? Rivendell. Gollum or Jar Jar Binks? <laughs> Gollum. Good choice. Lastly, Tolkien or Lewis? Mm, Tolkien. 
Okay, fine. You can have that one. <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin, thank you so much for chatting with us today. To close things out, could you please tell people where they can find out more about you and your work? Yeah. So if you just go to teawithtolkien.com, there are all of the ways that you can connect with us. Um, I'm on Twitter at teawithtolkien. That's usually where I am if I'm on social media, um, but also on Facebook or Instagram at teawithtolkien as well. But if you go to the website, that's kind of the hub for everything. Wonderful. And as usual, I'd like to thank John, Kate and Rowdy and all of our Patreon supporters. Listeners, please join us next time when Tolkien Month continues as Matt interviews Dr. Diana Glyer about her book Bandersnatch and we'll continue to go further up and further in. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>